I'm Rosemary Gallagher and welcome to the latest edition of the Fintech and Focus podcast from The Scotsman. The Scotsman has been Scotland's national newspaper since 1817, now bringing you fresh and relevant content for the 21st century. And financial technology, or Fintech, is one of Scotland's fastest growing sectors, with more than 200 companies and attracting investment from the UK and overseas. I'm speaking today to Mary McPherson, who is Director of Digital Transformation Financial Services at EY. We'll be discussing the successful fintech ecosystem in Scotland, the need for greater diversity and inclusion, and the outlook for the coming year. So Mary, could you please introduce yourself and tell me more about your background in the area of fintech? Yeah, of course. Um, good to be with you this afternoon, Rosemary. Um, so I'm Mary McPherson. I'm a director with EY in Innovation and Experience Design. Um, and I've been working in financial services in banks and insurers for over 20 years um, and through that time increasingly have been working in the space of, of digital and in that digital transformation space the emergence of fintech to accelerate the focus of incumbent financial service providers as well as partners to be able to realize um I guess the opportunity for incumbents has been really, really um, important to me. And so for the last five to 10 years, um, I've been working alongside fintechs and um, with other tech providers in how we help serve ultimately customers of financial services better. Thank you, Mary. Based on your experience, obviously you've got lots of experience in fintech in Scotland, what do you think makes Scotland different when it comes to fintech, especially in terms of its ecosystem? Yeah, so I think Scotland is a globally recognised fintech hub. I think there are over um, 200 fintechs and 15 universities and a number of different innovation spaces um, that actually are a core component of the UK fintech network. Um, but I'd suggest five different reasons that Scotland is different and unique. So I think Firstly, um, Scotland has a long heritage of innovation and engineering across industry. And I think that continues to run true today across energy, pharmaceuticals, engineering and banking. And of course, Scotland were in on banking and fintech off its day back in 1695 when international trade started to boom and the first Bank of Scotland opened its door in Edinburgh. I think the second thing for me um, is it's an established financial services centre for UK and international banks, wealth and asset managers and insurers. Um, and we see a continuing investment and deepening of their footprint here in Scotland, particularly across the central belt. Um, I think thirdly, Scotland has a really well connected and progressive academic backbone. I think about the University of Strathclyde, Glasgow School of Art, the Edinburgh Institute of Futures and the University of Aberdeen, they all have exceptional courses um, and also research facilities, which are rich resources for both local and international talent and innovation hatcheries. I think fourthly, Scotland boasts um, an amazing set of bodies that are fundamental to the promotion um, of Scotland as a fintech leader and a destination for um, investment. We've got Fintech Scotland, the Scottish Financial Enterprise and the government um, alongside, you know, enablers such as Codebase and CodeClan, who all mesh together to bring together talent, investment, technology and indeed innovation. 
And I think finally, of course, it'd be remiss to not mention the fintechs themselves, those 200 organisations we have on our doorstep. We have got a vast diversity of um, reasons for being, products and thoughts and different founders. Um, and they're very much extending not only into fintech, but also into reg tech, sustainability and even space tech. So I think overall, for a number of different reasons, we've got a really um, rich and active ecosystem here in Scotland. So it sounds like Scotland does have a very um, wide and varied ecosystem. Now, how important do you think it is that these different parts of that ecosystem collaborate to ensure Scotland remains competitive and builds a competitive advantage in quite a busy marketplace globally? It is a busy marketplace and it's a marketplace that changes on a daily basis. And as we're sat talking today, you know, um, you see lots of things in the media and news about the changes in, in huge technology companies that have got a, a global um, impression, if you will. So I think for us here in Scotland and for tin, FinTech, um, collaboration is, is, you know, super critical um, in any competitive environment. And I think um, Scotland has got collaboration at scale because there is a mutual ambition across some of the entities that I talked about earlier in terms of individuals, governments, academia, and indeed financial services. And I think there's very much in Scotland a sharing culture which prevails in sharing expertise, ideas, and spaces. There are probably a handful of examples that we can talk to on that. So, you know, firstly, Barclays Eagle Lab um, in Glasgow and now extending across Scotland, supported by um, Codebase, provides that space and platform for innovation and incubation across different fintechs of different scales. Secondly, you see the likes of Code Clan, which are building incredible pathways for its graduates and contributing to closing the skills gap. Of course, FinTech Scotland being instrumental in connecting the different partners and investors. And then also our, our government, you know, for example, um, putting in 42 million last year into the TechScaler network, which is building out hubs for FinTech across Scotland for universities, businesses and local authorities to, to use. So I think, again, all of those things coming together show that there is active collaboration um, and an onward focus to do more. And one thing that's clear from um, research on fintechs, not just in Scotland, but around the world, is that relatively few women found, found fintechs. Why do you think it is that there aren't very many female founders in the sector? And what do you think can be done to address that issue? So I think it is factually accurate to say there are relatively few women in fintech in Scotland. Um, but that is also the case around the UK and indeed globally. So this isn't a, a local phenomenon. Um, and to put some scale on it, um, I guess some percentages and, and figures. So um, I think about 17% of fintechs are female founded or co-founded. Um, less than 30% of the fintech workforce are female. And of all the angel investors um, in Scotland and beyond, circa only 12% are, are, are female. And of those 12%, um, they are 50% more likely than their male counterparts to invest in a female-founded company. So I think there is a 
definite challenge in the number of, of females um, and, and women working in fintech. And this has been very much highlighted by Professor Mark Logan's um, Technology Ecosystem Review Report. And I think there'll be further detail and richness that comes from Anne Stewart's report, um, Women in Entrepreneurship in Scotland. Um, but to your point, you know, why, why is this? Um, I think there are a number of barriers to, to women in fintech, and it very much mirrors financial services and the incumbents today, where only about 25% of leadership roles are indeed held by women. So I think we globally all have work to do to make any role in technology or financial services more accessible to girls and women. And while I think the perception of engineering and science as a male-dominated role is depleting, the reality of the workforce is that technology and FS culture and context continues to be male-dominated. And so this alone could be cited as one of the main reasons for the sector to feel prohibitive to um, women. But I do think across genders, um, there is an urgent need to reconsider the basic tools for all of us as we go into a world which will be more deeply impacted by technology, fintech or not. And while maths and English are likely to main the staples, I guess, of our education and the curriculum, I think coding, tech and data probably need to be considered completely normative in that future as well. Um, and I think that extends into the workforce today. And what we see at EY is some of our clients really looking to boost and uplift the technology capability of all its colleagues so that everyone can be more confident and literate and ultimately allow more people to work in fintech. We've looked at diversity there, mainly gender diversity, but in general, how diverse is the fintech sector? And do you think more should be done to make it more diverse across the board and what can be done in that respect? So I think um, I think in terms of fintech, um, it is predominantly um, a white male um, sector. And I think, again, that's reflective of a lot of industries in the UK, in Scotland and, and globally. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think in fintech, there is the opportunity to do something new and different. It, it does require innovation and innovation comes from various minds working and thinking about problems in a different way. Um, but I do think you know there are individuals who are breaking the mold in terms of the gender disparity in particular. And, you know, a real hot topic at the moment is um, OpenAI and ChatGPT. The CTO in that organization is, is female. And I think about, you know, the, I guess, the gender disparity and how that's evolving in a positive way here in Scotland. We've got someone like Sharon Hogan, who's founded Biscuitin, a fintech here in Edinburgh. Fintech Scotland is headed up by Nicola Anderson. And then you have the likes of Code Clan who've recently appointed Laurel Quinn. And I think as you look across the, the UK, you can see that Jane Ann Gadia, who had previously been at Virgin Money, is now the chair of Snoop. Janine Hurst is the CEO of Innovate Finance. And of course, Anne Bowden is well known as the um, lady at the helm of, of Starling. 
So I think we can start to see that some of the gender disparity, at least, um, has got an opportunity to improve, because I think having these role models is a crucial starting point. Um, inspiration creates aspiration for tomorrow's leaders and entrepreneurs, I think. Um, I think financial services and technology more broadly needs to invest, as I've said, in the school age upwards to create pathways into financial services, technology, innovation and engineering. Um, and I think this can be education based, but also there is a real need for employers um, of all scales to think about returner programmes and actually career conversion. And you see this typically in the, the, the big organisations here in, in Scotland, like LBG. I mean, here at EY, um, we, for example, held the first teenagers coding dojo in, in January. Um, we also hold forums for women and technology to meet and heighten awareness of the continual disparity that there is factually um, through podcasts, reports and thought leadership. And we work with the likes of Innovate Finance to bring those issues and opportunities to, to the fore. And of course, lots of organisations like EY are doing similar. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us to take continuous and collective action to keep a focus and understanding of what the barriers are and constantly working together to think about how we can break them down. I think the, the other thing that I was going to add was, um, I think working in fintech needs to be dec decoded to an extent. And by that, the, the moniker, if you will, that's attached financial services and technology um, could put a lot of people off if they don't see themselves as a banker or an engineer. And I think we need to make it more known that it takes different skills and personalities to work in fintech. So those that are curious, who love to problem solve, who are deeply human centric and also have wonderful data and analytical capability are really key and have huge opportunities um, to, to work in fintech. So I think the final point on that would be breaking down the perception barriers just by the, the naming convention that this sector has. You're listening to the Fintech in Focus podcast. You're listening to the Scotsman's Fintech in Focus podcast. This edition is brought to you by the Scotsman in association with EY. I'm talking to Mary McPherson of EY on a range of Fintech topics. If you'd like to discuss working with the Scotsman on an episode of Fintech in Focus, please email podcasts at scotsman.com. And now back to the conversation with Mary at EY. And how do you think we can ensure that everyone has access to relevant fintechs to ensure inclusion is being encouraged, especially during this cost of living crisis that's affecting everyone? Um, yeah, I think from a user and customer perspective, accessing fintech can, can range. And for example, there are scaled fintechs like Revolut and Starling, which people proactively know and have got significant brand recognition. There are also a lot of fintechs that are embedded within incumbent or other um, entities' experiences and more invisible. And payments and checkout.com would be a great example of, of that. Um, so those fintechs are proactively sought, I think, by customers or actively engaged with, but in an invisible way because it's part of another experience, if you will. Um, I then think there are financial fintech services and providers um, that you know 
provide great, great help to customers. And one example is in and around um, Glasgow-based Nude Finance, helping first-time buyers save for a deposit and have a great experience in that run-up to being able to buy a home. I suppose though it takes a, a, an element of financial literacy and digital literacy for them, people, customers to discover that, 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 that use, if you will. So I think the accessibility sort of still is a little bit dependent upon access to technology, your confidence with it, and a degree of, of, of um, financial savviness in some cases. Um, but this is where I think incumbent financial services and fintechs have got a huge opportunity to play together, and indeed here in Scotland. Um, I think fintechs typically have a laser focus on simplifying a problem area um, and improving an experience um, in a way that a scaled incumbent bank, as an example or insurer, can't fix quickly on their antiquated, though improving everyday infrastructure and platforms. And so I think in the API age and the involvement towards um, Web 3.0, the opportunity for fusing the very best problem solving and experience mechanics that you get from fintechs um, alongside the, the big trusted brands that serve millions of society every day. I think this is where there is a, a huge opportunity for all parties to increase accessibility and help more customers with their I guess, everyday banking and insurance needs. Thank you, Mary. And following that same vein, have you seen a growth in what have been called fintechs for good in recent years that address real social issues such as the cost of living crisis? Yeah, I think, um, I'm not sure I would say I've necessarily seen an instantaneous or increased focus on fintech for good um, and to resolve the various societal issues of our time. Um, but, but that said, I think I probably would have a hypothesis that a, a founding principle of most fintechs is a motivation to create different and better for, for end users. Um, so yes, quite often they are thinking about how do we make it easier, simpler, less um, filled with friction for, for a customer. And there's lots of examples of this, you know, um, here in Scotland, there are a number of fintechs who um, major on personal finance management, helping you manage your day-to-day -day budget better and differently. And there are also fintechs that deal with more complex things like winding up in estate and pensions and wealth management. So really starting to deal with more complex needs and key critical life moments. And we all see, I think, um, a lot of fintechs play in the payment space, reducing friction and really transforming the way in which we shop online and indeed physically. Um, and there are also the fintechs making inroads into sustainability and, and carbon performance. So I think when you step back, there are lots of instances for fintech and good. And like I say, I think it's a primary um, reason for them um, being in, in the first place. And as we draw to a close, um, what's your outlook for the fintech sector in Scotland in general? But I think the fintech outlook for Scotland and beyond is overall um, positive. I think it would be remiss to ignore the turbulence around the technology companies that I mentioned at the start of our conversation. Um, 
some of these global and huge and ultimately um you know incredible companies are having to respond to um, a change in investor expectations and the way in doing that is um reducing headcount um but of course with all turbulence is opportunity and there is the opportunity for us to source and retain that talent that becomes available um, and also with um, turbulence and cost of living crisis and the other context that we live in, the need for innovation is almost heightened. And that can be the greatest catalyst to technology adoption in financial services, if we think about the course of the last 15 years. So as I've said, I think Scotland's ecosystem is very strong and I think it marks it out as differential and in a steady place to weather the storm to invest and scale for the foreseeable future. Thank you so much to Mary McPherson of EY for sharing her insight on fintech in Scotland. And thank you for listening to this latest episode in the Fintech and Focus series produced by The Scotsman. Please listen out for and enjoy more episodes on all your main podcast platforms. This episode was presented by me, Rosemary Gallagher, and produced by Andrew Mulligan. <laughs>